Hey listener, thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Pixels and Panels, a show where we take you behind the scenes of the comic industry through conversations with your favorite creators and industry leaders. Our guest today is Felix Liu, an agent representing dozens of the top comic creators and a massive comic collector. His knowledge of the industry is second to none, having been an enthusiast of the industry for over five decades. Today, we learn about why he collects comics, how he helps comic creators as their agent, imparts some must-hear advice for newer creators, and talks through some of the shifts he's seeing in the industry. Without further ado, here's Felix. Hey, Felix, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Akil. Nice to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you as well. So let's get started. I'd first uh, love to understand a bit more about you and your story and how you got interested in comics to begin with. Well, started reading comics as a child. I uh, was a voracious reader of comics, then became a collector of comics. And then that eventually became uh, comic art because uh, you know the comic books themselves weren't nerdy enough. And let's talk about comic art themselves. Do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of a idea of what the differences are between collecting comics and collecting comic art itself? I think everyone's familiar with what a comic book is. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a print, it's printed matter. It's a periodical. It's like a magazine. Um, or you have uh, larger format works, which are now called graphic novels. Uh, but I think everyone knows what a comic book is, right? Just uh, words and pictures, superheroes, etc. Well, um, in order to produce that comic book, someone needed to draw the art. And traditionally that art has been drawn on paper. So this paper artifact has value to collectors. You know, I mean, if you're into collecting comic books, you have a collecting gene and um, you know, you're looking for, I don't even know uh, how to describe it, but I call original comic art the ultimate collectible, the ultimate souvenir. Um, with comics. And what pushed you to, to that transition from collecting comic books to the actual art itself? That brought it? Well, I got all the comics I, I, I really wanted. I was just looking for another challenge. And it was, it was actually more than that. Um, you know, once I got bit by the original art bug, that was it. And what drew you to the comic art itself? And for listeners who haven't had a chance to check it out, it is interesting to just see the art before it's inked, uh, get a little bit more of a raw feel, but what drew, drew you to it, Felix? Well, you know, usually the art is inked. Um, it's just not, it's not necessarily colored mm. uh, because it is the, you know, it's the, it's a pure representation of the artist's work. The artist actually touched that paper, you know, put pen to that paper. It was on his desk. That's where all the, uh, that's where the creation happened. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think it's hard to explain to someone who's a civilian or uh, doesn't have this experience yet. Um, but it's like a game-worn jersey or something. You know, like like a buddy of mine uh, has a you know collects Tom Brady jerseys, and if it's got like dirt stains and grass stains on it, even better. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult it is to go from collecting comic books to start to collect comic art what was that like for you in the beginning because like like you mentioned these are things that the artists themselves have touched and worked on it was just a complete obsession um it just took hold and i was consumed by it 
So let's let's start talking about comic art and your website, Felix Comic Art. Uh, recently, you said that 2021 was your biggest year for the site. And from what I saw, I think it started at around 2011. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how Actually, you got it this? started around, uh, well, you know, loosely 2012, 2013. Okay. And then uh, 2014 is when the site launched. And uh, what has that been like building that site? What was the original idea there? And how have you watched it evolve over time? So I'm going to use a lot of corny sports analogies. The parallel I would draw is uh, Billy Bean and Moneyball. You know, you have uh, established way of doing things, a traditional way of doing things, an accepted way of doing things. And I wanted to, to uh, change the game. And what do you think makes a piece valuable? Like as you've watched things transition over time? There are a lot of variables. Um, the artist's talent, the style, uh, but also context is very important. Um, the art by itself is one thing, but if it's from a book that is, um, you know, universally recognized as uh, great work, then that's even better. Uh, are you familiar, familiar with the comic Watchmen? Yes. All right. So Watchmen is, you know, they, they study that in college now. There's a Cal course on it, actually. Oh, I did not know. Um, so, you know, that would be considered a great comic. So any art from that is going to have a lot of value beyond. So that's another variable is nostalgia. If you grew mm. up with comics, like you say you read comics as a child, what comics did you read as a child? I, I think like the one that always pops into my head is like Calvin and Hobbes. I feel like I had every published book from Bill Watterson. Okay, okay. Well, you know, that's a comic strip. I'm you yeah. know, more like Marvel or DC, but fine. Let's go with Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Okay? So I'm sure there are certain strips that are just burned into your memory. Yeah. Um, and if you were to hold the original in your hands, yeah. You, you haven't had that experience, but I will tell you, it would probably be a very transcendent experience for you. Yeah. Um, and so that's what it's like for us. Like if we grew up reading, you know, for, for most people, they grew up reading superheroes, like their favorite Spider-Man story, Batman story, whatever. So they're, if they're able to acquire the art to that, that's great. But maybe the comic itself isn't so great, but you know, who cares? It's nostalgia. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's our rosebud. Um, uh, in terms of Watchmen, it's not just, nostalgia although uh you know it was sort of in my nostalgia zone i was a teenager when that came out and it made a big impact on me but it's also uh it's also considered a you know a great work yeah so that's uh, that much more value so i'm curious when you know i i have like a panel in mind that from uh or a strip in mind from bill watterson typically what what happens when an artist is done creating this piece of comic art i'm curious i'm it, sure it you can collect it, it, it yeah varies. Um, so some artists sell, sell the art, which is what I do. I sell the art on behalf of the artists. Uh, some artists keep the art, which is what Bill Watterson did. He kept 99% of it. Any Calvin and Hobbes originals that are out there um, were either acquired as gifts or he, he traded for other artwork. Um, so there are a handful of originals out, that are out there and they are highly, highly coveted. And they have, and as a result, you know, they're because of the demand, they, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. And you said 2021 was the biggest year for your site. Well, that's just, that's just growth. Each year has, each, each, each year has been bigger than the last. So it wasn't any, it wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, this was, uh, you know, we, we've had ups and downs Ooh, we had a big year. Each year has been bigger than the last. So what do you think have been the key factors to help the audience grow? Maybe it's just word of mouth and, and you're happy uh, customers on the site, but curious if there's anything you've done actively to grow that. Definitely. 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 And, and again, this is, uh, you know, if you're not a 
keen observer, if you're not actively involved as a collector, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but just like how, uh, you know, Moneyball principles got adapted by every other major league franchise and throughout the sport, um, you know, the same thing happened in our hobby. Yes, I am comparing myself to Billy Bean. <laughs> and this will go, this, this is before your time. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bill Walsh was, a, you know, an offensive genius, right? I mean, yeah. he, he, uh, he, he changed the game. Um, they don't call it the Bill Walsh offense, though. They call it the West Coast offense, right? But it, it, but it's, it means, it, you know, credit goes to Bill Walsh. So in, in, the, uh, in the original comic art hobby, particularly with modern art, and I'm going to, you know, that's another uh, distinction in the hobby. You have vintage art, which is older art. We have new modern art, which is what I deal in. At least mm -hmm. certainly in the modern art segment, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing Moneyball, you know, West Coast offense, whatever you want to call it. So what, what's the time frame that distinguishes it between vintage art and modern art? It's, it's a little bit arbitrary, but right now, you know, um, the 60s were a, a huge decade. Of course, there were comics before that, uh, but the 60s were a huge decade. And so that's called the Silver Age. Then you have the Bronze Age and you have the Copper Age. You know, so all the way through the 90s, we would call that vintage. Okay. Um, but it is, you know, the definition is, is fluid. Well, let's say anything older than 20, 25 years is, is vintage. And, uh, you know, anything, anything, say in the last five, maybe even 10 years is modern. And anything in between those is kind of, you know, a little gray area. I see. What made you start your website? Uh, well, I was a comic art collector and I collected both modern and vintage. Okay. And as I was, as I was collecting modern, I became friendly with an artist. And uh, he was new, but he was hungry and he was good. And he was also um, underappreciated because his market wasn't developed. Mm. So I just wanted to help, help him. And that's all it was. I just wanted to help this one artist. Um, and that's, 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 how it, that's how it started. Yeah. And you mentioned that you represent artists as well. And if you go on your site, you can see the huge trove of artists that you represent. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like the 20, it's like the 2017 golden state warriors. I'm just going to, I'm just going to use all sports analogies <laughs> and a Bay area sports analogies. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's an incredible accumulation of talent and, and everyone's a good guy. You know, it's a, very much a team spirit, strength in numbers, all that. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find the artists that you represent? Well, I'm a comic book fan, so I know their work. Okay. Um, and so I want to meet them, uh, make sure we vibe. And Knockwood, so far, is so good. Everyone gets along. Everyone's just a good person. You know, we really enjoy hanging out each other's company. And uh, everyone works. So, yeah. yeah, we're hungry. We work hard. And what, what sort of things do you help them with? You, I thought it was interesting how you mentioned that there was an artist, you thought they were really good, their market was underdeveloped. So what are the types of things that you've been able to help with just being in this industry for so long? Get their art, get their art in front of people's eyeballs. So, you know, I, I, uh, I came into this again as a collector. So, um, you know, I'm not, certainly not the most famous collector. I mean, I know this, the idea of that probably seems really goofy if you're not involved in, you know, this type of hobby. Uh, but people generally knew who I was 
And so I was able to get in front of people right away. Interesting. And what have you learned just working with artists over the years? What, what sort of things have you learned from them or learned about the artist community at large? Well, what I learned from them is um, I learned more about the art. You know, I was a fan. I was a student of the medium and a student of the art. And yet there's, I'm not an artist. So, um, you know, my knowledge really just barely scratches the surface of what they know. And what they share with me has been completely illuminating. So even though I've been reading comics for 40 plus years, you know, there's still things to learn. And that's, that's actually very exciting. And it's, it's, and it's exciting because, you know, vintage art, it's done. We read the comics, we know what it is. These guys are still creating new art. And I'm kind of on that ground floor uh, of this act of creation and getting to see these things as they're being made. Uh, is one of these things going to be a future Watchman? I don't know, but it could be. And how cool would it be that, uh, you know, I was there? How have you seen the art and the art styles or even the stories evolve over time? Because again, you've been reading these for 40 years. It just must be so interesting to compare the types of stories that come out now versus what was coming out even, you know, 10 years ago. Well, you look at, you know what, look at a baseball card from the 70s. I mean, yeah. like, I could have been your mechanic, right? Yeah. And you look at the, the baseball players now and they're yeah. jacked like, you know, 4% body fat, whatever. Um, now that's not an exact analogy, but you know, there, there are definitely changes within uh, uh, the entire industry up and down, even including, you know, uh, the format these comics take and now how they're distributed. Uh, they're, uh, you know, some are only available digitally. I can't stand that. I prefer paper, um, but you know, yeah, I think, the, the, yeah, it, the, the, so the, the art form, the medium has evolved. Interesting. And how do you think that affects the work? You mentioned that you're someone that still appreciates, you know, what you can get on paper. And I've heard others say like, you know, you can't do a two page, you know, full splash, you know, visual um, digitally. It works best on paper. Uh, how do you think the mediums have affected the stories and the art? Yes, so how you engage with the work is different, um, whether it's uh, paper turning a page or on the screen you're scrolling, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a very different experience. And, and somehow to me, like holding the physical object in my hand, reading the, the book, turning the page, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction in, mm. in turning the, the last page and you're done, then you are, you know, so I scroll to the end or I click the last page, whatever. You know, and also just everything online, everything digital just feels very uh, disposable, like everything mm. else we consume online. It's, you know, it's, you, you, you glance at it and it's, and it's done. So for an aspiring artist, what sort of advice do you have? Because you've seen so many artists go through different journeys. What, what advice would you give to an aspiring artist? I would say, show your work, accept the criticism, don't be too sensitive. Um, it will, you know, you have to, you may not be as good as you think, or you are, or if you have a confidence problem, you know, maybe you're better than you think. Um, but just keep learning, keep working. And the truth of the matter though, is, um, have a backup plan too. You know, I went to film school. So most of us in film school, you know, most of the people in film school just like to watch movies. And uh, that doesn't pay 
the rent. No, that's very, that's very practical advice. One other thing I really want to get your thoughts on is just the evolution of the industry as a whole. So I have a few themes that I wanted to hit on and I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, first, let's just talk about conventions. I mean, you've been going to them for 40 years. What sort of evolution have you seen from, you know, the, the bronze age of comics and comic conventions to what they've become now? Well, comic book companies, publishers used to be um, self-owned. Hmm. And then they got absorbed by bigger corporations. I guess just like everything else, you got more money, corporate money, and that, that just, that changes things, you know? So there used to be more of a um, clubhouse informal mm. atmosphere. Uh, and now it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of these things have more of a corporate feel. I'm not saying that's better or for worse, right? I mean, I think, um, you know, some things are more organized and, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's, it's, uh, it's, it's all bad, uh, but it's, it's certainly different. And what about uh, NFTs? I mean, they've become a very, very hot thing. A lot of artists are starting to try their hand at that stuff. What are your thoughts on NFTs? For the most part, in terms of, if we're talking about NFT collectibles, it's, it's, it's a, it's a uh, money grab from all angles. And I don't care what, what anyone says. Mm. Now, a lot of people have um, these sort of uh, talking points and uh, it's very highfalutin. You know, this is going to, democratize art and it's going to uh give control to artists and it's all bullshit you know it's the the people who are who are are are, uh you know running these nft platforms it's just it's just uh it's just another way for them to build their crypto wealth right and then the the artists who are uh you know seeing the praises of nfts well if there was no money in it nobody nobody would have any interest in it and we'd all just admit how stupid the whole fucking thing is um so yeah it's just uh uh you know every, every everyone everyone wants that cheddar which i believe is the the uh the, the term these days yeah so you know uh there's the metaverse and uh, i can buy my piece of property in the metaverse and i can build my virtual house and i can hang my virtual art in my virtual house and I can eat my virtual steak at my virtual table. That's that. That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. And I, it's just it makes me sad. Now, having said that, uh, you know, we were we were engaged early in the early days of NFTs because people, you know, people told me what it was. I said this is ridiculous. Okay, so well, look at all this money that's being thrown at NBA Top Shot. This is gambling. This is just this is this is dumb. I don't care. You know, you're never going to convince me that this virtual thing is better than a tangible thing. And when even the tangible thing has barely any utility at all, you know, this virtual thing is, is going to be better. No, it's, it's, it's just that much more ridiculous. Um, but it was the Justin Roiland thing that I saw it was back in late 20, late 2020. And he's a uh, co-creator of, uh, of uh, Rick and Morty. And he did a series of NFTs that he sold and they were NFTs of his uh, just sketches from his sketchbook. And he's the writer on the show. So his drawings look like something a writer would draw. They're terrible. They're like stick figures, but he, he was almost like making a joke out of this. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, he uh, sold these NFTs to benefit his charity, which is actually a really good thing to feed the homeless in LA. And it sold like over a million dollars. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's cartoon related. It's sort of comic adjacent. 
And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And the more I looked at it, I could see that these um, early adopters of NFTs from the artist side, they were usually terrible artists, like just like mm. hack amateur artists and the art was garbage. Uh, but people were spending a lot of money for it. And clearly that audience doesn't know what the fuck they're buying or they have no taste at all. And they're just, uh, you know, trading, you know, one trinket for another virtual trinket and it's just whatever. Um, so long as I can convert that trinket into cold, hard cash, I'm not above taking it from you dummies. But uh, that, and so we actually got kind of far along. Uh, we signed up with uh, one of the top three platforms. Oh, interesting. And uh, we had a whole campaign plan. I mean, we worked very closely together and uh, I have nothing bad to say about them at all. You know, uh, we, everyone worked in good faith. And, um, you know, it was going to be very uh, lucrative. But I really didn't know much about crypto. And mm. what I didn't know was the whole environmental angle. And apparently there are all these other issues about NFTs, how artists are being exploited possibly as a pyramid scheme. And, and uh, I think a lot of that is just belly aching from, you know, from, 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 uh, from people who are very likely jealous. Okay. So I didn't, I don't, I don't put too much stock in that, but the, the environmental angle, I mean, that's indisputable. You know, this is very wasteful and it no longer sat right with us. So we got into this as a group because of my research and I felt bad about that. So I had to let everyone know, okay, this is what's coming out now. Um, I, I don't feel so great about this anymore. And, and, you know, every artist agreed, like, they don't feel good about it either. So we've, uh, we've withdrawn and we didn't wow. go through with our uh, campaign. And, and the funny thing is um, we, they already had the first drop scheduled. And I was still going to go through with that uh, because we look, put a lot of time into uh, yeah. getting the art uh, uh, ready as an NFT. Um, but then that artist who had sort of let me take the reins on it because he was too busy with other stuff. He said, oh, my God, I didn't know about this. You know, please pull me out. And it would have been like the biggest payday of his career. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, and, and, and my cut would have been a car, you know, like a, like a nice car. Um, but uh, it actually made me really glad that he also didn't want to do it. And so, yeah, we have not been involved since. What do you think would need to change for your NFTs or maybe digital goods as a whole for you to be like, okay, maybe there is some opportunity for artists there. Or, or do you think like, oh, look, I think, there, I think, I think there are opportunities. I think there are legitimate applications for blockchain and even NFTs. Um, but uh, for something that's frivolous, like this, um, you know, do we really need to be uh, pumping that much more carbon into the atmosphere? Uh, so minimally, there has to be so-called uh, clean currency, green currency. Mm -hmm. And they keep promising that, you know, Ethereum 2.0. And when I was looking into this, they said, oh, it's just around the corner. And then people would tell me, yeah, they've been saying that for years. I said, well, maybe now, maybe now it's just around the corner. It's, it's uh, a year later and it's still just around the corner. So I'll believe that when I see it. Now uh, that we've been, I've talked to countless of platforms in the early, you know, early on, I reached out to platforms and they didn't have the time of day for me. And it was, it happened so fast. I think within a matter of a week, maybe two weeks, all of a sudden my inbox is flooded 
Wow. And everyone is like trying to beat down our door. And I how early on did you reach out to them? Uh, late 2020, early 2021. Okay. So it was basically by January 2021, it just completely blew up. Okay. Like everyone's reaching out to me, and uh, and some, including some that had like wanted nothing to do with me. Now all of a sudden are uh, so nice and so solicitous and, <laughs> and uh, you know, so fake respectful, you know, it's like, uh, okay, just, just uh, all I'm interested in is like everyone else. Uh, if this is uh, easy, stupid money, um, who am I to argue, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's, it's the, the other issues were, the other issues were issues. So what do you think uh, is in store for the future of, comics i know that's a very broad question but you have an incredible experience here whatever happen, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen mm. you know if i don't if we choose not to do nfts and my hope is that as uh creators not me but you know our group and and and, and like-minded artists can voluntarily starve the te tech to compel change um but whether we are involved or NFTs or not, it's gonna it's gonna keep going along. It's gonna keep doing what it's doing, and you know it'll grow or it'll collapse. I kind of wish it would collapse, but truthfully, I, I don't see that happening either. Mm. But we don't need to to uh, we don't need to be involved. You know, not all money is good money, and uh, uh, you know I still got to look my daughter in the eye. What would you want to see for the future of comics? Maybe it's less about what will probably happen. What, what do you want to see? Well, comics uh, have in this country mostly been stigmatized as kid stuff, whereas it is a legitimate art form and it's a native art form and it should be celebrated. And uh, the best of comics can be studied. Uh, so I'd like to see more uh, appreciation more cultural awareness of, uh, of comic art. Awesome. And to close, we're going to put you through a rapper rapid fire round. Are you, uh, are you ready? It's five questions. Sure. First, which fictional character best describes your personality? Well, I didn't realize you'd get this geeky. <laughs> I don't know. Who's the, who's the, the crankiest old man and you know in comics i guess that'd be me j jonah james i don't know cranky old cranky old man <laughs> which three comics would you take with you on a desert island wow i you know that that would be a different answer on any given day mm -hmm. but calvin hobbs not a bad one that that giant collected calvin hobbs you have that set you know that that's yeah case yeah um watchman and then uh open spot and if you could pick any comic character to have dinner with, who would it be and why? I did not expect this conversation to go. <laughs> um, any comic character. Uh, let's let's move on to the, to the next one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If, it, if you come back, you can just blurt it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this next one is not that easy either. Um, What's your favorite scene from any, like, panel from any comic? Is there one that when you think about your favorite panel, it just, boom, pops into your mind? So many. So many. There's uh, one from 
Dark Knight Returns. Have you heard of uh, the Dark Knight Returns? It's a Batman comic. I'm uh, just familiar with Dark Knight. I'm not familiar with that, Steve. So uh, the Dark Knight Returns is, is one of the most famous celebrated comics of all time. And it's a Batman story. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, Batman having gone into retirement and now coming out of retirement as an old man. And so the there's one uh, splash page in Dark Knight Returns where he, he emerges as the big, beefy, chunky, older Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. But he feels young again he feels like a young man again and he feels born again and uh the older i get the more i appreciate that more and more that's uh you know you i I enjoy that fantasy and then last one if there was an artist that you could have dinner with who would it be bill watterson bill watterson yeah it might it, it it might be a very short dinner i might not get much out of him but uh that would be that'd be pretty cool Awesome. Well, Felix, thank you so much for taking some time. You can check out Felix's website at felixcomicart.com. And thanks for taking some time with us today. Hope you have a good one. Yeah, I wish I had an answer for that one. Uh, who would I, what comic book character I'd want to have dinner with? Yeah, why not? Uh, I'll go with old Bruce Wayne. Just old Bruce Wayne will be old two Bruce Wayne. Just, uh, yeah, a drink. Awesome. Thanks so much, Felix. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.